Welcome to All Things Church Planting, a podcast dedicated to empathize with and empower the church planter. We aim to walk alongside you in your unique calling through real stories and relevant topics. We're a production of the 80 plus million initiative of the Central Region of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. You can check us out at 80plusmillion.org. Hey, what's going on? Thanks for joining us again for All Things Church Planting. This is an episode with the same players around the table of Central Region of the Christian Missionary Alliance, and we're talking about what is God up to? What does the future of church planting look like? We're still in the middle of this cataclysmic size event uh, where, where the whole world was shut down and thousands of people have died and thousands of people have left the church and uh, we're trying to figure out what is God doing in the next season and we're looking forward in a hopefully prophetic sense and saying this is what God might be up to and these are some of the trends that we're seeing and here's how we think he's going to propel the church forward to make more disciples who plant more churches and make more disciples and plant more churches. I hope this conversation is beneficial to you and your church planting journey. All right, welcome back to All Things Church Planting. Same guys sitting around the table as last episode. Uh, today we're talking through the future of church planting. And the first question really goes, you know, because I think we have a fascination with looking into the future as as apostolic leaders, as as people who are trying to look at a, at a landscape and go, what, what could God be up to? What is God doing? Uh, what are some reasons as to why we need to know or want to know what the future of church planning looks like. Uh, it does feel like the church is at a crossroads moment in history. And I guess that's, that's kind of exciting because what we're doing today has the, has the ability to set the course and the look of the church for the next couple of decades. And I personally find that fun. Uh, to think that we would get that role. Mm -hmm. You rewind the clock a couple decades ago, and there was a very specific way that the church looked and played and functioned, and there wasn't a whole lot of wiggle room, and there wasn't a whole lot of need for wiggle room from my perspective, and I'm not a church historian, but to think that we sit today at a place where there's a lot of people scratching their heads about what does it mean to be the church of Jesus Christ and we happen to be sitting in seats where we get the opportunity to influence a lot of people in that thought. Um, I know that doesn't directly answer the question, but it it is an exciting moment for us. It's a privilege, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think there is a scriptural string where God hints, and we, we're, not con, we're not considering ourselves in, in the office of apostle or the office of prophet, but he gives us prophetic hints or he gives people hints toward what he might do and where they might go and how that might benefit them and how that might warn them. And so, and he also sh shows them a bit of the rear view mirror before he shows them a bit of the, the windshield. And so it's a privilege to go, there's obviously, he's obviously up to something. We're coming out of a major cataclysmic thing. <laughs> uh, there's something going on in the church uh, what might he be doing? Are, is, there, is there anything else that sticks out to you? Like, here's why it would be a privilege, or, or here's why we should look into the future of church planting. I think part of it is that we're looking at leadership development from a perspective of multiple years, <clears throat> and things change so rapidly that if we don't pay attention to the future, and we're planning to develop somebody for two or three or four years, be really helpful to, to have some perspective on where this thing's headed. 
And I would say at the same time, there's a lot of opportunity. There's also uh, just a very clear picture of brokenness and confusion uh, mm. throughout the world. And the amount of pain and hurt, lostness that is around us just demands that we get it sorted out. What, what does the church need to look like? Uh, how does the church need to go about the coming days? Because there's a, there's a really hurting world and, and we carry the answer to, to that pain. Yeah, God seems to really like to enter into those places, to empathize, to be with, to be the incarnation. And so there's opportunity you know that that pain is not celebrated but we we do see opportunity in that pain where we can be jesus the church can be jesus in this moment well and and on top of it as much as we hate to admit it the church has often been part of that pain Mm. and so it's our opportunity to be part of the solution to set a different trajectory to set a different incarnation as what the future of the church will look like and there's and there's no question that things are changing so fast We don't even know what six months is from now. And to a large degree, and Jesus has used the beauty because it's his church, but it's not nimble. Mm. It's not flexible. It doesn't have the ability to um, adjust quickly. And that's part of the excitement moving forward is what is Jesus going to create because it's his church in these days that is actually created to be nimble and created to navigate um, these days mm. I don't know that we have answers to that but it's it's the opportunity now to start leaning in to what are the what are the leaders going to look like what is that going to look like in function um, in the future mm. yeah, the, the church has never existed in isolation from the larger cultural context around it And I think it's important that we look into the future of church planting because our cultural context, somebody said, is rapidly changing already. And that, as much as we sort of don't like the idea, what happens in culture seeps into the church, right? Mm -hmm. It, It has a way of influencing how the church functions and how the church thinks of itself and... And, and so, you know, these, these cultural shifts that are happening of, uh, you know, we, we were driving two nights ago and drove by a, a huge mall complex, completely deserted. I mean, boarded up. You could tell which store was what just by the outside of it, and it's, it's all gone, right? So in our culture, people are running from the big right, down to the uh, local and, and what is known. And they're, they're after those things where they can be known. You know, you, you get the Starbucks little, hey, fill out our survey, tell us how we did. And one of the questions is, did the server get to know you, right? They, and so they're trying to create a culture where people are known. And so our culture is running from the big and, and there for a while, in, in the church, it was how do we get this thing bigger because that's going to work, right? How do we provide the mall environment for the church kind of thing? And so that's going to impact the future of the church. The idea that uh, everything is now personalized, 
-hmm. You know, it used to be that uh, you you all bought the same shirts from the same places, right? And now everybody, there's an opportunity to personalize anything you want. You can go online and get whatever color you want, put wherever you want, and it's mine now. So there's this personalization, and so... Uh, you Are know. you the guy that has a lot of personalized T-shirts? Uh huh. Exactly. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. I was kind of wondering what store Todd was running to at the mall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what was he hoping to find? What <laughs> were you hoping to find <laughs> when you went to the mall? The one mall shut down that has had his personalized. I mean, yeah. he was really bummed out. What I was what I was hoping to find was the three dollar T-shirt that <laughs> used to cost twenty five. Right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, thanks, Kyle. Back that bus up one more time. Um, you know, the other thing is that it's it's a really interesting idea that our culture is moving from a consumeristic culture to everybody now as a producer, right? <clears throat> We're producing a podcast. Why? Because we can. You can. <laughs> and everybody is, right? Yeah. Uh, people are, are producers. They're producing content for you name it. Uh, you know, you, there's all these side hustles. There's, yeah. you can create your craft thing and sell it on Etsy or, you know, the, ev everybody's a producer now. And the church has been really, well, bust chops, but has really done a good job of providing consumeristic opportunities for people. And people have done a good job of consuming what the church has produced. And there's still that dynamic to it. But this one in particular is a cultural shift that the church ought to be paying attention to yeah. and tapping into because it really is what the body of Christ is to be, is individuals doing their part, producing for the kingdom. And so it's just really important that we're, we got a pulse on the culture to understand what the church, I'm not talking about the message, and I'm not talking about the primary purposes right. of engaging the lost and making disciples who make disciples, but I am talking about how does the church go about being the church, and and we, we need to understand what's happening in culture, and it's it should be forcing us yeah. to think about the future. We always talk in our trainings about how we don't plant church outside of culture, and that we want to plant churches for our cities, and if we don't understand, <clears throat> we're not missiologists in any way, and we're not trying to understand the state of our people and what trends are going where, um, then we're not really having the missional sensibilities that we want as, as, as missionaries, because church, church planners are missionaries. Um, so that's an interesting conversation because that leads me to want to ask the question of what other cultural shifts are we seeing that the church needs to pay close attention to? I think the shift in the culture that I think we've been forced into uh, the, uh, in the church um, is really aligned with our nature. So the nature of the church is decentralized. So since Pentecost, the Holy Spirit indwells the heart of the believer. And therefore, God in his strategy for lostness and for the mission of the church has been to strategically place people in relationships. And so... If it, if it was about um, us being surprised by something in culture or in society, um, I, I don't think that's the, the case. I think God's even forcing us into a place where we are living out the nature of the church. So therefore, you know, gathering is not wrong. It's not wrong. It's commanded. It's beautiful. But oftentimes we see gathering as the start of our week 
to prepare us for something. And yet I look at like when Jesus sent out the 72 into the communities, they came back with testimonies. So when they gathered, it was to call out the beauty and the joy and the experiences they had in those communities of God being accepted, of, of the message of, of the kingdom being accepted. And so I think to see patterns of culture change and then see, see the beauty of God's strategic genius and placing us in a position to be influencing and extending kingdom is just awesome to watch. And so, you know, we could see what's happening in the world and the culture around us and be discouraged or it's not like it used to be or whatever, but really it's just like, it's beautiful. It's like amazing. And we're seeing lives being transformed because we are operating in the nature of our, our, of, of the church. It's really interesting to me when we think about these conversations to think about the church of what in culture is helping us to be more fully the church, like this kind of decentralized nature, but then what is our call to be like cross-culture or anti-culture or counter-culture. counter-culture. There you go. Yeah. To be a get, to be that. So, so this like culture creation thing is everyone's doing it and we're doing it and that's a thing we can use. And yet the opposite of that is kind of what you alluded to earlier, Justin, is incarnational presence, being with in a deeper sense that no way can we touch people to that degree through a podcast to that level of um, engagement. And so we have to walk that line between how we're uh, using the cultural moment on the cultural moment's terms and where we might need to be radically countercultural. Uh, in order to f more fully show the kingdom. And not just by what we believe. I'm not talking about just like culture believes this and we believe that. I'm talking about our posture. There are, there are moments where we need to stand out because we do things different. I, the thing that comes to mind when I think of that is our culture is sprinting towards isolation. Absolutely. And less real relationships, less authentic relationships where they're face-to-face -face with people and the church can't breathe that way. The church won't, and Jesus says, he's called us to love, like, it's just, there's two things, love them with all your heart, so much, and then love your neighbor as yourself. We can't really love people over Zoom as much as we want to, or over a flippant remark on social media, and yet that's what we're turning to. So I think that's a countercultural opportunity where we go, yeah, we realize everybody's going this way, but we as believers have to enter into genuine love presence. deep relationship presence. presence that's good incarnation that's good that's and that's a good okay there's the, the culture is going this way but let's let's see if we can be countercultural in in a re, in a redemptive way is, is there any other thing that fits in that the other thing you said was about entrepreneurs everybody's everybody's a producer everybody's an entrepreneur which is good that's a cultural moment that's happening i got i got a I got someone in my life that knows nothing about soccer, but somehow has 20,000 Twitter followers as a soccer better. He became an entrepreneur in a year and is making lots of money. But anybody can become an entrepreneur now. Can we, can we flip that? Can we flip some of this entrepreneurial side hustle tendency and just can we aim it towards the kingdom and, and producing something beautiful for Jesus? Like, these are some things that I think we should think about. Anybody else got anything there? Well, I think in the midst of that, and we're kind of 
talking about the whole relational piece is we see God's a relational God. Right. From the beginning, he created us in his image to be relational. And yet isolation and the pain of relationships has probably never been deeper and in more angst. And I think that gives us some invitation to go, how do we figure out? And that might be some of the invitation of these days is that maybe this is smaller. Um, maybe it's slower because healing and relationships take significant time for many people and trust is is at such a deficit in these days and what is I get frustrated sometimes because it seems like there are people and organizations out there that love incredibly well and where's the church mm. we have the author of that mm. embedded in us what's going on and it, and it should be causing us up to go, hmm, church, let's pay attention to this. What, what does this mean for now and the future? It's an interesting thought that in a culture where everyone has to create, maybe we become the people who don't create everything but go and provide presence when it's somebody else's show. Wow. You know, like, like we, I don't need to create the thing that competes with that because everybody wants to create the thing that competes but if that's if that's something good I can come and I can participate mm. and and just be a participant an active participant because everybody wants to create everything but what would it look like for me to bring my presence to actively participate I, I really want you to flesh that out real quick yeah give me okay. a little let me give parable. you a church let me give you a church planting example from yeah. a coaching thing uh, church planter is getting some folks who are uh, recovering from drug and alcohol stuff. And he's like, see, we need to start, we need to start this like thing. Because we, we've got people, so we should probably start the ministry that centers on that. And as we talked and discerned together, realized most of those people are already in ministries dis discerning that. It's like, wh why don't you just be the church to them? Invite them into your community and your groups that you're doing. and 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 be the church to them and participate with them. Instead of creating your own thing, allow those people to participate in those groups where they're gonna meet all sorts of people instead of you siloing them. Okay, now leave the group where you're at, <laughs> where there's lots of people who don't know Jesus and come to our group because we're gonna somehow do it better even though we've never done it before. We're gonna sanctify it, we're gonna sanctify. holyize it. Yeah. And, and that's our tendency is, right? We wanna create the thing instead of participating. That takes them out of right. culture. Right. Spirit of competition. Sure. Uh, I was probably going to take this in a whole different direction. That's okay. Try it. <laughs> That's uh, striking me when it comes to this idea of everybody as a producer, everybody as a creator, and how the church engages that challenge or that opportunity. I'm, I'm watching my high school kids experience the... Uh, identity creation going on in the lives of high school students all around them. Students who are uh, constantly picking a new identity and and day after day will walk into the classroom and even tell the, the teacher here's what I need to be called today mm -hmm. and it will shift the next day or the next week mm -hmm. and there is this I am going to create an identity for myself and I'm just sitting here struck mm -hmm. by the fact that the church has an incredible opportunity to actually step in and help them see mm. you know, you've 
you've already been created and and what you were created as is infinitely greater than anything you'll ever come up with mm. and just the opportunity of these days for the church to to intersect some of the creating that's going on and say well let me make this easier for you the the master has already created and and our, our real mission is to figure out what's he created not turn around and try to create again Mm-hmm. Or if the or if if everybody's into I want to create a new identity for myself, you know they're coming in they're switching their identity for the day. You say no, you know the church actually can can come to you and show you where your identity actually is recreated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is who you were, and now because of Jesus Christ, here's your new identity, mm-hmm. and and give give them an identity that actually is a is a legitimate experience and is a legitimate recreation with purpose and meaning and fulfillment. That, that's really intriguing. Well, and I think and the critical thing in that is, but we can't do that from a distance or with truth bombs. Right. It has to be in an incredible, de- deep place of loving relationship, trust, authenticity. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that's kind of in a sense new territory because we've been taught about the truth bombs yeah. and how to do it. And that, that requires the presence idea yeah. that you'll never, my, my children in the high school will never express love the way Jesus would express love if they don't actually spend time with, have presence with these other students. Same for the rest of us and the rest of the world. Let's, let's stream out a little bit because that, those, those are nuances in where we think the church can really fill in some some brokenness and some voids. Let's dream out five, ten years. What are we hoping for Jesus to do in the church? And how do, how do we be a part of it? Uh, it's, it's interesting. Um, I mean, people are going to be listening to this podcast for the next three decades for sure. Uh, and <laughs> wow. so it, it's, it's important to set the context of we are supposedly on the back end of COVID, and yet the numbers are going extremely high. Right. Uh, and so we're probably not. And... Um, Is that a political co- statement? D- d- no. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Lincoln, Justin. Nebraska, just today put a mask mandate on the city again. Oh, my. And for it to happen in the heart, wow. heartland like that? Mm-hmm. So that gives you context. Saying, oh, man. Yeah. So what, what I... I guess maybe the idea is that another reason we have to be thinking about what the future of the church looks like five years from now is because if COVID did one thing to the church besides just divided the crap out of it, uh, it exposed us for our deficiencies yeah. in a whole lot of ways. And, and because of that exposure, we have to be thinking again what what does it mean to be the church that question in some in some very real ways got rattled uh the answer to what we thought that question was got rattled and so your question is spot on what does it need to look like five years from now 
Yeah, and, and I think we at the beginning of this we just decided we don't we don't really want to bag on where we think that church is at or sh what we do want to say is here's where we hope it goes and I think one of those I think one of those and here's what I think Jesus is doing I think Jesus started something all the way back in Exodus when Moses is sitting on a seat of judgment he's ju he's judging everybody I mean this it's the worst leadership position ever a bunch of grumbling Israelites thousands of them and they're all coming to him a day I mean this is and his father-in-law comes his father-in-law is like what are you doing this is you don't have to have a degree in managerial like you don't have to this is crazy it's a stupid idea it's a bad idea uh, you need to split this up and so he creates the tribes of Israel very next chapter he says I'm gonna create in you a, a nation of priests where everyone uh, it's gonna be a nation of priests not one person sitting on a throne but a nation of priests and that's where we get priesthood of believers in first Peter and I think the next phase of church planting is gonna see the over glorification the over honor the 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 access of honor of one person or three people or a staff it's going to change from that to how do we empower every believer to be a nation of priests where every neighborhood has a priest where every i think i think of my wife who is a nurse in the NICU and she's got ministry gifts and i could every day try to push her out toward that but I just think she's with the most the people in the most vulnerable position every day when their kid might their kid might die they need that priest there I don't need to pull her out and bring her to the church and say hey preach more I need to say boo you're and I call her boo <laughs> boo you need to you need to be your the priest right I think that for me is one thing I see in the future of church planting one, um, not to go into models, because I think models sure. are going to be shifting, and, but one characteristic I think that goes along with that, that I hope, I dream for the church to become, is self-sacrificing. Mm. In all of these fights in these last years, and all of the disagreements, and all of it, it's been self-preservation. Mm. How do mm. we, how do we, keep our rights how do we maintain our status how do we in culture and government and all these things and from where i'm sitting the posture that's actually called for is to sacrifice ourselves to lay down our that's rights good. for the good of others uh, just like jesus did for us and if the future of church planting is self-sacrificing i think we will have a great kingdom impact a kingdom of priests sacrificing what's best for me for instead what's best for my neighbor will show Jesus to the world. That's good. When you ask the question, you know, what does church planting look like? I wonder how many of us, when you even mention the word church, think of what would be the strategies of the organization to address the changes in culture. And yet all of what we've been talking about is the individual believer that has the indwelling Holy Spirit being the church and being impactful where they're at. So where do we need to, I don't know if it, it's a question of where does a church need to be, is, but where do we need to focus our discipleship 
and our equipping of people for Boo to be in a place of effectiveness. You're not where allowed she, to call her that. <laughs> <laughs> I never gave permission. <laughs> what does she call you is the real question we'd Boo. like to know. She calls you Boo? Boo-Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, Boo-Boo? Go ahead. So where, where? Quick, quick. <laughs> how, do, how, do I, how do I keep going? I don't know. It's over. I'll talk now. <laughs> You're done. So, <laughs> it's the big idea, Holmes. <laughs> So it's, it's the matter of, of where do we 